Welcome to Iteration, a weekly podcast about programming, development, and design. My name is JP. I'm a software engineer at a tech real estate startup, and I am joined today by John. Hey, I'm John. I'm a web developer, and I run a firm that builds web apps and mobile apps. So I'm excited to jump into our topic today. It goes without saying, uh, Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. It is 2020 by the time this podcast will be released. And this week, you know, I think it behooves us to talk through some of our 2020 resolutions and goals as software developers. Yeah, this isn't like our own personal resolution and goals, like lose 10 pounds or whatever those other goals are that you may have out there. This is really thinking about our skill set and career as software developers and the types of things we're jumping into. I think it's kind of fun that so right now it, it is like in real time just before Christmas break. So I'm like in that last push of like trying to close out the holiday week, but we are traveling into the future and coming to you in the new year. And I just want to pause and reflect for a moment and realize how incredible it is that we live in the year 2020 and things like the cyber truck and AWS exist for us to make our jobs and lives easy and more amazing. We're just so lucky to be alive at this specific moment in time. It's just incredible to be part of this industry. Yeah. Did you think five years ago, we would have something as crazy as the Cybertruck. Like, what is that? That's it's insane. <laughs> uh, I hoped we did. I hoped we did. I feel like my shtick, like all growing up was always yelling about why don't I have a flying car yet? Like, I remember like the year 2000, like, where's my flying car? You know, I don't remember how old I was. And the year 2010, where's my flying car? And I feel like I'm still angry that I don't have a flying car in the year 2020. However, the Cybertruck is like a nice consolation prize. It's like, well, you don't have a flying car, but here's one that looks fucking nuts. At least it like looks cool. Yeah, dude, honestly, I know the Tesla has been out for like, I think since 2013 or 2012 or whatever, like the Model S or the, uh, I don't know, sure, when, sure. I don't know when that Model 3 came out. But the first time I saw Tesla and there was that huge screen in the middle, I was like, I cannot believe that Tesla owners get like an iPad Pro, basically what looks like an, <laughs> what looks like an iPad Pro as their center console. Does, yeah. And definitely amazing to be alive in 2020 where tech seems to have like exponentially improved over even i think even from like 2017 to 2019 we've seen like a huge uh, leap yeah it's totally incredible the type of tooling we have available to us so you just got back from new york for a little trip with some friends and i was actually in new york up until the day you got there we just missed each other from like hanging out in new york how was your trip how's life how was the last week or so oh man new york was so fun and i 100 realized that i was born and raised to live in Southern California. As soon as you get as soon <laughs> as we got so off with the, you there. <laughs> as soon as we got off the plane, there's that like little transition where you're outside for a very brief moment. And the day I got there yeah. was 30 degrees. And Ugh. I just felt that cold hit me. Like it hit the backside of my head and I was just like, oh my God, what the hell is this? It's so <laughs> cold. And the only time I think I've been in 30 degree weather is either one snowboarding or two visiting uh, someone in Chicago. But for some <laughs> reason, this 30 degree weather the first day was absolutely insane. It was so cold. I could not handle it. I, I had like eight layers on gloves. I, I don't even I had to buy gloves for this. I don't even own gloves. Uh, my face was freezing. Everything about it was just like 
how do people live like this? I don't understand how people live like this. We're we're so spoiled with our weather though. Like I'm here on this beach weather and it like never gets below 60 or above 80. Like that's it. It's always in that window of perfect weather. But it was funny. My wife bought a umbrella for New York because like there was some forecast in the rain and she went with me, which was awesome. But I was holding the umbrella walking through the rain and I realized, oh my God, I've never held an umbrella in my life. What? It was actually the first time I've, I've ever used an umbrella in my entire life. That's, I've used like no a, way. a sun umbrella one time. Like my mom had one or something. Like I want to say it was like mini golfing. We had like a sun umbrella or like, but it like wasn't like a rain. I've never had in the rain used a rain umbrella just because like. I just never have. I just haven't dealt with rain in that way. My family never owned an umbrella. I didn't own an umbrella. Why did I need one? I live in California. It rains like one day a year. But that's also why we have no water ever and why we have fires constantly. So I guess it's a give and take. <laughs> wow, that is, that's a little fun fact. It was such a weird moment. I'm like, wow, 31 years old and I have never held an umbrella in the rain. This is my first time. Wow, that's one of those little cool fun facts where it's like two truths and one lie, and you're yeah, and one of oh, your truths is one. like I've only held an umbrella once ever in my life, <laughs> <laughs> in the rain. At least. Yeah, in the rain. All right. Well, that said, let's travel into the new year and let's start talking about what kind of some of our goals and ambitions are for the new year. So, why don't you kick us off, JP? What's one of your first big goals for 2020? As a dev, I should say. As a dev, yeah. So my goal one, uh, and I have three of these. It looks like you have about three as well. Yeah, I cheated. I have four. I have four. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so my goal number one is to build a full stack app with Elixir. Elixir specifically because it is like, other than Ruby and JavaScript, Elixir might be number three in like languages that I've of like read about or like have have sure. have played with a little bit but i've never i've never built anything that was like non-trivial and so I, the reason i want to build a full stack app with elixir is just because i want to stretch myself here and it, yeah. it will probably end up being a pretty trivial app but i want to build something that didn't come from a tutorial and is like for example i want to i want to clone slack or something like that or i want to i want to clone hulu or something like that and then just like try to build a backend in a different language yeah and see what like nuances i run into what roadblocks i run into how how it differs from other frameworks that i've worked with just because i'm currently doing some consulting and i'm working on a full stack node app and even to this day i still have this urge to just be like fuck this i'm rewriting the backend in rails <laughs> I don't want yeah. to deal with this. For example, we came across this scenario where we needed to do like background jobs because we're starting to send like a wide range of different types of emails and it doesn't really make sense for us to all have them be on the same queue. And so my initial like thought was like, oh, we need some some kind of like priority queue system, right? Which is like what Sidekick does. And if you're sure. if you're a Rails developer, you immediately reach for Sidekick and you're just like, okay, oh, yeah. I'll just use Sidekick Absolutely. and it'll be Redis yep. backed and blah, 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 blah. And I actually had to do like some research on how I can do this in Node. And I was just like, this is so stupid. This is so dumb. I want to, I just want to do this in Rails. And then like, I have to force myself to stop and pause for a second and, and say like, okay, JP, you know, Sidekick and, and Ruby are not 
like the only way that this is possible to do this. Like, right. like there has yeah. to be a mechanism for other languages and other frameworks to accomplish the same like priority queue background yeah. job system. And for sure, I, I think forcing myself to do this in node is like a good thing because I don't want to only be like a rails dev. I want to be mm -hmm. like a generalist, right? Like I want to be able to like jump onto something and be like, Oh yeah, the general idea is this. Let me just go find the right tool to do it. Right. And they're like conceptual building blocks right. and like the er the primitives around what those things are, like a queuing system and understanding what those types of namespaces and, and how to use these types of ideas or concepts. But I, I like the idea of kind of decoupling yourself from the Rails world. I, I feel like I'm very coupled into the Rails world and it can be a little bit restrictive on my own brain because that's always what I want to reach for every time. But it's like, it's obviously not the best tool for every job, far, far from it. So, but I'm curious to, to understand why Elixir is your pick, like out of everything you could pick from Node to PHP to like, you know, there's so much out there to choose from i wonder why elixir yes and i've talked about elixir in on this podcast in the past i think just in passing of like oh hey this looks like a cool language it's functional programming yeah, blah, blah 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 blah. Yeah. i think two reasons two, one the syntax is really close to ruby's syntax and it's it Ooh. so i mean i th i think that will be less of a struggle than like working on like swift for example because i remember i also sure Dabbled yeah, what's fine with Swift? I remember that. And two, because of its like concurrency, there. I think there's something. I think there's something about concurrency, and it's supposed to be like a really fast something. Mm -hmm. I don't want. I don't want to throw out words that that are that are incorrect. <laughs> but yeah, that's the buzz I've heard too. Like if you're trying to build something that is more like real time, like a chat tool or a document collaboration tool, that it's really good about like real time collaboration. Um, and like at its core, it's like an IO that's very like adaptive instead of just like pushing and pulling things, which sounds really interesting to me, but I don't beyond that. <laughs> I don't know. And they, it sounds like you've already checked it out enough to know that this is something you want to make a bet on and make an investment on technically, which is really cool. And I just think there's a ton of value in like challenging yourself to fully build something with a totally different stack in the new year. So I think that's a good takeaway for anyone listening. It's like that could be a good challenge for 2020. And a good way to kind of stretch your brain is to force yourself to use a completely different tool set to solve something. Now you might want to not want to go straight into a production app and build a client for it. But as a side project or a side hustle, I think that's a really cool idea. Do you have any idea what you want to build or just like, nope, I just want to force myself to do something in 2020? I definitely want to like just clone an app. Okay, cool. So like really like a couple weekend project, just straight up cloning something. That's cool. Yeah, with like very specific constraints. And I want, I just, I want to make it so that it's like, it touches different types of tools. Just going back to like the sidekick example, like I, th I think you hit a good point on like just like the foundational building blocks of things mm -hmm. and just sort of realizing that, you know, SendGrid isn't the only way to send emails. And <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's like interesting because I think when you're, when you're starting out, it's easy to see these, the, this tooling like Sidekick, for example, and, th and think that that is the tool. Referencing something is like, oh, just use like a Sidekick, but like not really mm -hmm. understanding what that, like what that tool is and what abstraction Sidekick is on top of basically does that make sense a hundred percent yeah so i think i want to build like something collaborative like a google sheets or like a, a dropbox paper mm. type thing i think that would be really cool and just like strip it down to like it's it's fun to, like it's core 
and yeah. and see what I can do there. Like I want to I want to see what the equivalent of like a SendGrid is in Elixir or like the equivalent of yeah. like Action Cable is for Elixir. Yeah. Sure. That sounds like a really cool project. That's awesome. So my first goal for the new year, and like this one I'm, I've been saying for a long time and I haven't been doing enough, is to just blog more. So blog, write, document my work a lot more. I've got a lot of motivations from this. For me, it really helps ideas stick in my own brain, like lessons I've learned and things that I've learned. It, it really, when I have to like write about a concept, it really helps it sink into my own psyche and my own brain. The other part is for me, like selfish motivation, Literally, some of my best clients have been gained through my blog posts. And I haven't even done all that much blogging in my career thus far. I've done maybe a dozen, two dozen posts about things, but I have gotten so many great clients literally reaching out through my blog. Like, hey, you wrote about this. Let's talk about this. And then it starts a relationship and turns into career motivation. Like, it, like it's crazy how much it's been a networking tool for me in my career. And it's crazy that I'm neglecting it because my best clients have come through stuff I've written. I think it's a great way to give back. Like that's a piece of my own brain too. I, I think it's awesome to see people out there really contributing back. I, I feel like the pinnacle of this is like Steve Schrodinger. He's one of them. Uh, Jesus Castillo from like the Rails stuff. There's a lot of these guys out there who really give back to the community. And I I would, I like, I wish that I could be someone like that who really gives back to the community. And I think too, like in working with a software team, especially a remote team, it's good to stop and document a specific process or approach and a good way to do that like why not do that publicly like it's it's a great way to be like hey this is how we're doing javascript on rails like why not turn that into a blog post and just share it with the world so i have a lot of motivations around it and to me it's a big number one goal for me is really document my work a lot more nice do you have any goals of, of like establishing an online presence as like a tech blogger kind of a thing no, I'm not really interested in being like a thinkfluencer in that way. Even like this podcast, like I love the audience we've built and I love who's here, but I'm not looking for scale. Like I would prefer depth than scale in what I'm doing. And I would love that like I'm writing really good, deep content for a very, very tiny audience. Like I would love it if there's like only 25 other Rails devs who work the way I work that are like really excited to read what I'm writing. Because I think my work is really unique and I would like to document that for others struggling with the similar things. Because thus far in my career, I haven't been building tiny startup stuff and I haven't been building enterprise scale. I'm in this like in-between scale and I really want to try to document that for other people trying to build in this kind of middle space where it's like not over-engineered, but it's also quality code. And like, that's that weird niche I'm hoping to hit in a way that, which I know the audience is tiny. If I was gonna, if I was gonna build something for a bigger audience, I would just start writing about JavaScript because like, that's the biggest audience or, you know, or mobile app development, let's say. Like there's bigger audiences out there. So that's not really a goal for me. What about you? How do you think about that? Like being a thinkfluencer and stuff yeah, like, like that? Yeah, like being a thinkfluencer. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was a point in my life, I think not not so long ago, maybe even like, 18 months ago where I that's who I wanted to be and I okay. I remember getting a little bit of success of, of of a blog going viral that was JavaScript related and I realized that like if you want to do this you could just need a blog about JavaScript stuff <laughs> that's what I was um, just saying yeah <laughs> so you're 100% right on that but I, I don't I don't care much for it anymore and I think that I think that doing that is like stressful because you're constantly thinking about how you're going to curate your next article and what that topic's going to be right. about. And I, I just don't want that kind of stress in my life because I was like always thinking about it. I think it's more fun for the for topics to just come organically or just like, oh, hey, I've 
I solved this problem and I'm definitely going to forget how to do it. I need to write the recipe for me to do this again in the future. So I'm going to write mm -hmm. a quick blog post and I'll be able to reference it in the future. I think that's sort of where I'm at with like, yeah. the, like how I think of like the value of blogs. But I certainly feel that it it's easy to reach for blogging as a way to like become internet popular and, and, and famous. <laughs> um, but yeah. I don't care so much for that anymore really yeah um, for me like it, the goal is to make my work better and then that's a byproduct of that like is making that public it's not so the goal is the work not necessarily the do, like the blog as a thing in itself it's more of just like serving the work and the community more so is the goal for me mm -hmm. all right so what's next up for you as far as goals for 2020 so for 2020 i want to get better at system design and system design, I think, is a very broad term. And I saw that you have notes on this too, but uh, I'm definitely going to copy you copying me. And I think dom <laughs> I think domain driven design is a good like starting point for like what yeah. I would start describing system design is. So system design to me is like, hey, we want to implement this new feature. There are a couple of no unknowns. Let's draw some diagrams and figure out this this flow from start to finish. And even zooming out a little bit and thinking about like, oh, hey, this feature might be like really big. So how does that affect like the amount of servers we have, for example? Or like, do we mm -hmm. need do we need like a caching layer or like do so we like DevOps stuff? Y even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, technical architecture. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's important to do that because more and more I'm 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 spending more time upfront planning things, which I think has made execution a lot smoother instead of just going into a new feature like and just, oh, I'm going to start by writing the routes and then I'm going to start writing the controllers. Like even though like yeah. I, I've gone to a point where I can methodically knock things out, I think that planning and upfront just drawing things on whiteboards has helped me a lot in conceptualizing things. And I think that's maybe because I'm starting to work on features that aren't like just editing the routes or like editing a controller mm -hmm. or things like that. So, so I do think that being able to think at a high level and also being able to communicate that well to other people is very important. The other day I was like drawing out like the system design for our like push notification system with uh, an engineer who needed to like onboard a bit a bit and it was really fun and i thought like hey this is like really cool to be able to talk about the system at like a higher level so it's like technical without really getting too deep into the weeds of things right which i think is really cool and i think it's like a very valuable thing or valuable skill set to have as an engineer and i really want to pick up like uml because i feel like there's a very or there is a correct way of drawing diagrams. And I believe domain-driven design touched on it a little bit. And it's like Definitely, when you yeah. draw lines from like one box to another, like a, like a, a diamond means something. To define the relationships. Yeah. So just to interrupt for a second. Yeah. UML is unified modeling language. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a structured way of graphing out concepts. And overall, like what we're talking about, this idea of system design is trying to model databases or entities or relationships between each other in a way that's really intentional and in a way that like defines 
the high level kind of modules and namespaces and entities that make up a system. So if you think about like Twitter, you know, it's like, it's easy to think about like, oh, there's just a bunch of tweets, but it's like, well, no, there's systems around this. There's a user's table. There's a tweets table. Like how is the idea of a like on a tweet? Is that an object? Is there a table of likes or is that an entity that belongs to a tweet? Like how do these relationships and entities all connect to each other? And that's really where system design comes in. And this unified modeling language is intended to represent all that. So my question for you, because this is very much a goal in 2020 for me too, but I struggle with goals that have like an abstract outcome. Like your first goal was like super clear, like whether or not you did it, like did you build something in Elixir, yes or no? And I'm struggling with this goal for myself because I know one of my goals within getting into system design in 2020 is to reread a book called Domain Driven Design, which we've been through on this podcast, but that was our whole season one, which has been since deleted. So it's like the very lost season one. And maybe actually on this podcast, we'll talk about some domain driven design stuff in 2020, but so like I have the one goal of rereading that. You've got the goal of kind of digging into UML and understanding like how this graphing system works as a tool to be able to communicate that. Is there any of the other kind of like goals we could dig into in system design, you think? Yes, there's a book I want to read called Web Scalability for Startup Engineers. And this... Oh, man. Yeah. And so you're like, whoa, hey, that's Startup Engineer. That's me. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is more of like a DevOpsy kind of book because it talks about yeah. like caching and um, things like that. But it's related for sure. Yes, 100%. So the two books I want to read, God, and then after I saw your notes, now I'm like, dang, I want to read Domain Driven Design again or like the <laughs> like the abbreviated version or whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely the abbreviated one. So I definitely want to just read a couple books. So Domain Driven Design, Web Scalability for Startup Engineers. I have a UML book that I bought that's like really small around the time that we were nice. reading Domain Driven Design. So I want to read yeah. those three books. And then I want to see how I can apply it in like my my day to day at work. Yeah. So intentionally, I want to be able to like plan things more or talk about features more like in front of a whiteboard. So my goal is to even like when we're onboarding new engineers, if they have like a feature that's like very simple, I want to be able to onboard them by like explain, like zooming out just a little bit enough so that they can get a high level overview of like how right. something and like see where that feature sits within the system design and be able exactly. to communicate that eloquently. Yeah, I think and that's those are really good deliverables, just the idea of like get through these couple books. And I love the way like books can actually shape your behavior in your mind. It's so cool. I think that's amazing. So yeah, I totally share that goal. My, my other goal for 2020 is to continue to level up my JavaScript, get my skills up. I feel like I got a lot more comfortable I stopped shying away and avoiding JavaScript in 2019, but I want to take it to the next level to where I don't feel limited. Because at this point, like when I'm doing a design or talking through features with clients, I oftentimes think about, well, how do I do this in static templates? How do I do this in HTML, CSS? That's always what I reach for first. And while I think that makes a lot of sense in the context of a very resource constrained startup and just like keeping things simpler, I it definitely has limited some of the functionality and some of the creativity of what some interface and functionality can do. And I want to get myself away from thinking about the implementation of front end so much that I constrain my design based on the implementation. And I want to allow my brain to be more free to like explore with you know more reactive interfaces and drag and drop stuff and and like thinking in terms terms of single page app and not be so tied to the server rendered static template brain. And I think the deliverable there for me is like, 
get to a point where I'm comfortable enough with JavaScript that when I'm designing in Figma or Sketch, I'm not thinking about, oh shit, I don't want to write that JavaScript. So I'm not going to design that way. And so I, my real deliverable there is I'm just going to build more stuff and lean even more into JavaScript, maybe even in times when I don't need it, just kind of put it on there and rebuild things in different ways just to get even more comfortable with it. And I just got a list of a couple different like I'm even just going to go through just because it couldn't hurt. I'm going to go through West Boss's beginner JavaScript course. Like I know that I'll just like tear through it. A lot of it's going to be way easy for me, but I feel like I'm missing some of those fundamentals and it can't hurt to regrow through it. And I think just tear through some more of his like JavaScript and other tutorials like that for 2020. Actually, I'm super excited over the Christmas break. I've got two weeks off and I'm going to really tear into some good JavaScript stuff. And I'm like really excited about it. I'm starting to really love JavaScript and just the wide open wild west that it is. Like now it seems exciting exciting and not just like shitty. I mean, it's still shitty, but it seems more exciting to me than shitty. Nice. Yeah. I remember that first time I went through uh, a different course from him that was like 30 days of JavaScript or whatever. Yeah. I've done that twice now. Yeah. I think I need to do that. Like, I, yeah, I think I've done that twice now too. I need to do that a third time and see it all the way through because I, <laughs> I think I get like halfway to three quarters of the way every time. And I'm just like, ah, okay, I don't need this anymore. Yep. <laughs> when I say I've done it twice, I've done it 70% twice. I'm with you there. <laughs> so I need to add that to my personal to-do list of dev goals, just because I think those yeah. fundamentals are really good to have. So what's your immediate action item? Is It's it's doing the Wes Boss 30-day... Yeah, or not, sorry, beginner JavaScript. Be Actually, do the his new beginner JavaScript course. Because it, like, it is a pretty deep dive. I think it's like a 12-hour course that just goes through from fundamentals all the way up to like introducing some basic frameworks all the way through. And it is mostly, I think, 80, 90% of the content is all vanilla JS. And I... I've been like so much better with JavaScript lately, but I really get hung up on this whole idea of like imports and exports and modules. And like, I like the basic wiring of JavaScript really holds me back sometimes. Like how to get those basic, like that basic wiring, I can spend hours sometimes lost productivity, just trying to get that shit working. And it's because I don't have a fundamental understanding of how it's working or what this is built off of. And sometimes my brain kind of gets lost between like, well, what is in actual JavaScript and what's in libraries like underscore? And I'm, I, I need to get my brain out of like libraries and frameworks and like, oh, what's in Vue, what's in Stimulus, and more about what's in vanilla JavaScript and understanding how it all comes together. And like, I'm a, I'm a pretty productive JavaScript programmer at this point, or engineer, whatever you want to call it. But like I said, I just want to get deeper into the fundamentals and not feel restricted in design work because of, you know, shying away from any JavaScript I'm going to have to write. I, I just want to really be able to be more competent in the entire stack. And that includes front-end dev, because I feel like I've really leveled up my back-end development, like building really stable, well-structured systems that are really performant and scaling well. But front-end, I, I, I always end up like, uh, grabbing other devs to help me on front end stuff. And <laughs> like, it's okay to have strengths, but w the problem for me is like, I'm actually limiting the team because I'm not allowing the design work to be as open-minded because I'm I'm shying away from difficult front ends. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can definitely see how that's like intimidating. Cause I, I definitely remember, um, before I really dove into JavaScript thinking like, how are you supposed to make these crazy, insane, complex interactions that like, yeah would be painful to do with like CSS, for example. 
Mm-hmm. I think I think the more you do it, the the less scary it becomes. So I'm excited to see your your growth as a JavaScript engineer over the year. We'll see yeah, we'll see what thanks, happens and what the end of 2020 looks like. Yeah, we'll see. We got to replay this for ourselves before 2021 goals. And I hope I'm I I feel like I make good strides on goals. So I'm actually really excited about that. I feel like even if I hit half of these goals, it's it's still a good thing. You know, people kind of get all like, oh, you know, New Year's resolutions suck. And what's the point? And at the same time, it's like, I like teach their own, whatever. I, I think you should set goals and be pushing yourself to be better always, no matter what. But I feel like it's such a good thing. Like, even if you hit 25% of your goals, you're still making yourself better and like moving forward. Like, what's wrong with that? Yeah. And it's good that we have like these like action items. Like, so immediate's like, I'm going to read this book or I'm going right. to do this. I'm going to do this course. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so my last goal is, I think this is like my goal every year, but <laughs> I want to, so my last goal is to, to brush up on algorithm fundamentals. And I know that it's like, there's a bunch of tweets out there and there's a lot of people who have opinions that algorithms are not necessarily important or they're they're phrased such that like oh you don't need to, like when's the next last time you had to reverse a linked list at your job uh, right. blah 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 or like oh the the interview process is broken because like when am i ever gonna have to traverse a, a binary sure. tree Bl- whatever sort <laughs> whatever uh, yeah other. or but yeah. yeah um but to me those those types of problems are just fun i think and I th- it's just something that I want to be able to do. So personally, I want to be able to like look at like a, a classic computer science problem and be like, I need to solve it this way. And the fastest way I can do that is in like linear time or, sure. or for example, right? And I think it's important for two reasons. One, it helps you be able to solve things like complex problems and break them down into smaller, less complex problems, which is I think overall a good skill to have as an engineer. And two, I guess this is like specific to the way that I am approaching it, but I also want to be able to talk about it. So I think the the recurring theme in all of my goals is that I want to be able to like speak mm. about software more, like more better. <laughs> yeah, more better. Let's <laughs> say <laughs> like I want. Yeah, I, yes. I want I want to be able to speak more eloquently toward <laughs> to my peers <laughs> yeah. so that I can break down concepts for other people because I think that that will really solidify my understanding of certain things. Okay. So I have I have an action for you on the algorithm fundamentals. I'm going to put you on the spot. Why don't we do an okay. episode on algorithms and make it not horrible? <laughs> if you can do an episode of this podcast and make it not horrible on algorithms, I would be impressed. Because for me, I'm kind of in that camp of just like, I don't see myself as a computer scientist or like mm-hmm. deep engineer in that way. And we've talked about this before. Like I'm much more like pragmatic and practical and more about like the business and design side and like shipping stuff. Like I'm a Rails engineer who uses Heroku. Like they're engineers used very loosely in my terms. However, I have a lot of respect and understand in the same way that I'm going through the JavaScript fundamentals, like going through the deeper fundamentals of computer science approach makes a ton of sense. I haven't felt the motivation to do that for myself. And I guess it's partly because I feel so lost. Like I end up on these algorithm boards and it all feels very like useless to me. But the thing that I could understand is in the same way to be better at guitar, you need to play scales 
And scales aren't musical or interesting. It's kind of just rote work and these rote concepts to get into your muscle memory. I think that's what algorithms are to software. And I think I need to get over the fear of them. And I do think I need to dig into it. But I kind of need your help here. So my question is, is what is your kind of like actual action items on this goal to like get into quote algorithm fundamentals? Is there like a course or a book or are you going to give us an episode of the podcast? What are we going to do here? Yes. So the I think the best resources for these for these types of things yeah. and specifically algorithm stuff is like online courses and they're always usually framed around this idea of like nailing the the tech interview interview. the the tech interview right so there is this website called interviewcamp.io and i actually have a subscription to this and it's their tagline is four week online boot camp for technical interviews now obviously it's like not you don't have to do it in four weeks four weeks is just like their marketing thing that you can sure that you can fo- like, you can follow along and then have you can this be like knowledge interview for four ready weeks. in four weeks. Damn, it's two hundred fifty bucks. That's a lot. Yes, yeah, is it's worth it is, for you. It's pretty expensive. Yeah, I've actually have gone through, <laughs> I've gone through like twenty five percent of it at the beginning of this year. So yeah. I want to like actually get through it. So my immediate action item is to just go through this. And it's been really good because it breaks down concepts really well. The other approach that I've haven't seen much success with is reading like a a classic computer science book Mm. that you get as like a a software engineering student in college and that is just like so dry and uh, and oftentimes more math heavy than it needs to be but i've found that this course has been really good at breaking down problems and it's basically this dude who like is really good at algorithms and he like breaks things down and, and has like a like an eight and a half by 11 size whiteboard and he Mm -hmm. will like go through and tell you exactly how the algorithm should work. And then you just go out and solve it yourself. So then you get like, there's like homework and tasks that Mm -hmm. you do. It's like a boot camp. It's cool though. Because it also has a whole big section on system design stuff. So like distributed processing, dynamic sharing, sorting large data, database indexing, which is really cool. But I'm, I'm reading through like the topics in the course and it's so like, interviewee and like you could reconstitute this into like job descriptions for like any tech startup it's like arrays and strings linked list dynamic programming hash table binary tree hash functions this is cool though i like that this gives you a very like structured approach to it and it seems like more practical and i feel like the idea of going through this as if you're kind of prepping for an interview is probably good for any developer to do so that's really cool yeah. So immediately, like if I can just get through this course from start to stop in 2020, <laughs> that will be like, that will be fine for me because yeah. I always, I always feel like, oh man, this would be so cool. Like I want to get back into like, like algorithms just for fun because I think solving algorithms is a fun thing. And then halfway through the year, I'm like, ah, fuck this. I'm going to focus on like consulting and making actual money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's a great goal. My, my last goal to kind of wrap up all our goals for the new year is focus. So I would really like to focus more on my core competency of software development. Running an agency, I spend a ton of time on accounting, project management, like issue triage. like, And so I want to try to get, I have like kind of three ways I'm going to do this. And really over the Christmas break, I'm going to spend some time investing in some of this stuff. So a big piece of it is better processes, better tooling, and more automation. Like that's how I'm going to get to this idea of more focus. So better QA, client handoff, like actually writing documentation for client projects. So that way they're not always asking like, how do I do XYZ thing within the product? Like 
there's documentation. And that's a part of our processes in tooling, like get better about error handling, staging, again, like documentation stuff. And then like automation, I do a lot around like invoicing and payroll and updates to clients. Like I haven't been treating myself as a software developer and realizing like I can wire up if this, then that, and I can write some scripts on this stuff and I can make my job so much easier. I think just like running the day-to-day of my agency, I just haven't allowed myself to put on my developer hat. So I'm excited mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks and the kind of lull here over the holiday to put on my developer hat and kind of automate some of our business processes, which will be really cool. I'm excited about that. So that's really my big goal though. And like the reason I want to do that is because I want to just have more time for code, more time for that deep investment of like what I'm actually good at instead of just spending time with like accounting and a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I think that's I think that's um, a little it's cheating because it's not really a dev goal. No, I'm kidding. That's um, fair enough. It's it's not really a good dev goal, but it is uh, focus on dev more. Yeah, you're right though. It's a little cheating. <laughs> it's I, I still no, no. under there. I love it though. No, I love it. I think I think there's something to say about not not straying too far off the beaten path i forget the idiom i don't know what it is but um (laughs) yeah i think focusing is good is what i'm trying to say do you have any picks for us jp okay uh i'm i was scrambling because i i didn't have a pick (laughs) but you know i just came back from new york so i want to tell you the best pizza i had in manhattan was prince street pizza and it's like what are they they're called like grandma slices or something like that? It's like square. They're yeah, not, the they're not the really slices. thin. Yeah. They're like the square slices that aren't like really thin. But it's not like a deep dish pizza. It's like kind of in I don't know. I think I think they're called grandma slices. Anyways, I I dropped a link to the menu. It's called Prince Street Pizza and it was so good. I wish I had it in front of me right now. I could Ugh, eat pizza for breakfast, so lunch, hungry. and dinner. <laughs> I love pizza. All right, good pick. I have two picks. My first pick is in Mac OS, the newest Catalina. I like updated it. I didn't know this was a thing. I have an iPad sitting around here and they have this thing called Sidecar. And you can use a Mac as a second display without it even being plugged in. And it works so well. Like there's almost no latency and it's like full resolution. And I'm so surprised because I used to use like here and there, I would use an app to do this. I think it was called Duo. I think it's probably been one of my picks where you had to have it plugged into your Mac. And then it created a second display. But on that one, it was like very buggy and didn't work that well. But Sidecar is built into the OS and it's wireless. It's wireless and it's like not even stuttery. It's like, it's really great. And I'm super shocked. And it was cool to like be able to like throw something onto my iPad and like go sit on the couch and read it. Like so weird. Like I'm using my Mac like from, it's just really weird. It definitely feels like the future, having this wireless display to your iPad. And like, you can even like draw with the Apple Pencil into design software through your Mac. It's like you get like this Wacom tablet. Like it's, that's crazy that it's wireless. It's really cool. Wow. Yeah. It's cool that they like saw this feature and they were like, oh, someone is like making this app, like the Duo yeah. or whatever it's called. Yeah. And they were just like, shit, if this is like a big enough need, like we can just, we can just like do this ourselves. I them though. That's just, that's kind of mean. What do they call that? They call that like uh, Sherlocking. There's like a term for that. Or uh, Zuckerberging, where you just like duplicate uh, <laughs> the feature and kill them. Uh, my other like small pick, just because there's time off here. I found this YouTube playlist of every single Office episode deleted scenes. And they are in order of the Office series and like watching and they're like, there's a lot of these. And so it's amazing because I've watched through the whole of Office like way too many times, but it's Mm kind of cool to like go through all the deleted scenes because you get to relive the same episodes from a different angle. And there's a lot of good jokes that got cut. And so I'm just loving going through this big mega playlist of every single Office deleted scene. 
So that's just been a fun pick that I started to, and I'm trying to ignore it until the break, but like, it's still hard not to dig into it because there's so much like, I'm like, dude, new office content. It's like, there's new episodes, new found episodes. It's kind of fun. This is amazing. And there's literally like 146 YouTube clips and of some deleted of them are like, scenes. Some of the deleted episodes have like 20 minutes of content. It's crazy. And it's cool too because like because they're deleted scenes, there's like weird like random stuff like microphones that get in the shot or like there's like the booze cruise episode and they start playing music and like there's no music playing. So like the musicians are acting like they're playing because <laughs> like no post-production's done. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've gotten so much enjoyment from watching these things and I can't wait in the break to just binge this whole playlist of deleted scenes i knew you were an office pa- fan so that's why i made a pick oh man i need to, i need to watch these like now i probably <laughs> i will watch a handful of these today <laughs> i love good. that all right well happy new year everybody i hope that you can take some your own time and kind of be investing into your skill sets for 2020 we wish you all the best we're going to actually take a break and not record for a couple weeks here but we will have just taken that break. So that's a little bit meta and weird. But anyway, happy new year. And we're excited to dig into this year 2020 with you guys. Happy new year. Thanks everyone so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. 